It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Down there in the Taranaki, your home region, Kimpi, where you grew up, out there mucking out boxes, no doubt, just doing all the hard yards at the track. <laughs> don't, maybe, don't get him started, mate. He's maybe, listening. Maybe track work riding, early <laughs> hours, just slaving it away. Tony Kemp, your old mate, Alan Sherrick's on the line. Morning, Al. Hey, Louie, I hope you're not talking about Kempe doing that. We did that. He was running around with a ponytail down to his bottom, mate, playing league. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. yeah, I do I do remember that trip down to Whanganui, Al, where, where Tezza threw those hay bales around and I nearly broke my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> mate, you haven't he, told Louie about the chartreuse either, eh, Mac? Nah, yeah. mate, I, ha- I haven't told Louie about any of those drinking trips, Alan. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, will leave that to the imagination, Louie. How are you, Tony? All right? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How did you go yesterday? Uh, two were shin sore and they went real good. Uh, the both horses to watch, the two-year-old run third, and Stevie Nix is going to develop into a lovely silly too. She ran fifth. And the one in the last, would be hard to beat on Monday. It ran third, so up to 2,000 metres, it'll be a chance on a 27. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And you've got our filly running on Sunday in Cinerama. Does she get out of the gates this weekend or not? Well, maybe she needs to talk to you, Max. She likes sort of staying and giving them a start. I don't, I don't know what's going on. But if she didn't perform well enough on uh, Boxing Day, she'll be retired. Mac and we'll, we'll go to the Stallion next year. So, uh, it's in the lap of her gods at this stage, but she's worked super. But um, yeah, she's got that funny habit, mate, that we're struggling to break. To be honest, may I, have, I haven't asked you the question. Oh, this is this is a true story too, Louie. I haven't asked you a question, but what's it like having a Philadelphia lawyer, your brother, as your <laughs> boss of the racing game in New Zealand now? Well, I said to the boys at the Gap this morning uh, a few issues in racing, and I hope that we're sort of not in an intoxicated state on the 28th, because I, I could see me and him having an argument, uh, Tony, to be honest. There's a few things I'd like to see sorted out, but um, yeah, let's hope we don't get to that stage, mate. Just, uh, on all those trips, Mac, we've never come to blows, but 
it's starting to annoy me, some of the things that are going on, you know? <laughs> yeah. right. Well, here you Alan. So just for context, um, Bruce Sharrick, this new COO of NZ Thoroughbred Racing, uh, another, you know, obviously the great mate of yours, Kempe, and uh, Alan's brother. Is she on that, Alan? I don't know if you've seen the the press release or what's come to following that Trentham debacle, but there's a bunch of stuff we'll go through later in the show. I won't bore you with it, mate. I'm more curious yeah. about how your team's been travelling through the summer months. I mean, you're pretty versatile. A lot of yours go well on the wetter tracks as well, but do you have to change much when it comes into the warmer months or it's just routine by now? Oh, mate, you, you, you're probably anaerobically. You're back on from a bit, Louis. Like firmer ground, they don't need the the attrition in the hard yards like they do on heavy ground. So um, you come back off the pedal a wee bit. But, um, yeah, the likes of Waisaki and Al Hale Mary, they're tracking well towards the Wellington Cup. Um, Darcy LaBella, she's going super. Frodo went well the other day. Robbie's knee was too good for him on that day. So, yeah, we got some nice horses sticking on pretty good, Louis. All right. So Frodo was... He's been a... Well, he's not an enigma, but... I guess he kind of became one of the real consistent bets over the last 18 months. Anything gone wrong, or he's just not kind of come up the oh, way you'd expect? No, nah, we found issues in his back, Louis, and, and uh, he was he was injected by the vet. Um, Tommy Burns was a great help. Um, yeah, he's had his issues, mate. He's, 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 why he's called Frodo, he's, not the, he's like an egg wine sausage dog, so he's probably structurally not... not perfect individual, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, we've had a few issues, Louis, but, you know, for a horse that's probably 15 hands and with a sway back, he's done a pretty good job, mate. I think he's pushing 400,000, so, yeah, he's been a good stable rep, mate. Yeah. Hey, Al, you've had some you've had some good apprentices. Um, you've got another one in Hazel that picked up the title this year. What, just, what is it, mate? What's the one thing that uh, an apprentice um, and that you've found out over the years, you know, even Scotty when he was doing the jumps, um, yeah. that they really need to, to nail uh, to, to sort of get those get those um, those wins, those high awards that you seem to just get year after year with the apprentices. What's that one thing? You've known me long enough, Mac. It's uh, dedication, work ethic, and my biggest bug here is the ability to drop their error rate. If they ride with a high error rate, they never get to the level that I'd like to see them at. So I'm quite critical on um, the percentages, like getting the right run in a race, going at the right time, doing it right. That's the most important thing for me. So, you know, the video analysis with, with all the kids, Matt, Michael, even right back to Fletch. We didn't have videos in those days. We just kicked them up the bum. Nowadays, you can't do that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I hate Savvy, and she's done a great job, mate. She works hard at her weight. She, she's very unfortunate with her weight. But I don't have to tell Hazel too much now. Um, you know, her rate is, is pretty low. Normally, she's uh, riding at 70% good rides and maybe 30 the other way or 80-20. But, um, you know, when you start doing 50-50s, and it's hit and miss. It becomes very, very hard for a mentor and people to put you on. So I think just dropping the error rate, no different to your league, mate. You've got to bat up and get your processes right, and that makes you a better player, and it makes you a better rider if you can execute, you know. How have you found uh, dealing with the different generations as I've come through, Alan? Like 2021, I'm sure an apprentice... Don't get him started. 
Well, no, I'm serious. Like dealing with young, it's more of a question about young athletes in general. 2021, like rookies in whatever sport coming through, they're a completely different breed to what they would have been in the 90s, right? Have you found that you've you've had to change your approach to get through to them? Yeah. Yeah, massively frustrating to a degree, mate. Um, And and you've had to, I've had to soften. I I believe the world has softened, you know. We've become more PC, Louis. I'm I'm not being disrespectful. To society now, but there's been a total flip round, and um, don't worry, Bruce is always at me that uh, you know it wasn't how it was when Dad was bringing us up, when Kempi and Bruce were running together, and we were, Dad was booting our bums. You know, what I mean, it's all changed, mate. Uh, um, but that's life in general, Louis. You, if you don't change with the times, well, you fall out of it, don't you? So I, I still think my apprentices know that I'm a hard taskmaster. But the likes of Hazel and the later ones, they've had it pretty easy compared to Michael and Matt, you know, when they were back in that era where, you know, you, you demanded respect and you demanded work ethic. And, and those boys all got through, you know. They, they did well and they've continued to do well and I'm very proud of them still to this day. So, you know, I, I still hear from Michael once a month and uh, we laugh and joke about things and, yeah, we've got a good rapport, but... Yeah, society has changed, boys. It has, and um, you know, I, I would say even Kempi's game and rugby—it's not like it used to be, mate. It, it's changed quite a bit. It has, it has, Alan. Don't you ever change? Don't you ever change, mate? Hey, so we, we're t- talking to the punters about a winner, and on Sunday you got a good one in Darcy Labella. Um, I reckon that's the lay of the lay of the weekend. What do you reckon? Well, I'd be a bit careful there, boys, because uh, one, she's drawn eight. Two, I haven't got a suitable rider, and I see the TRD has put her out. So she could be a doubtful starter. Um, on Saturday at New Plymouth, I like a Lambra lad in the 74-1800. He went big last start. And I've got a mate in it that they uh, jumped out of trees to back, and she's come on from that race. Show us more the Schwarz here, Philly. So... If she draws an alley on Sunday, she'll be very hard to beat. So, um, yeah, that's two to watch for, for Monday anyway. And then I think uh, you're down with us, Tony, and we'll have our eventful trip with the boys, of which you'll probably struggle with with my brother. But, um, you know, you've got to be hardened to that, boys, and sometimes you just got to stretch your heart a little bit. Oh, yeah, I don't I don't, I don't, don't struggle as, um, as much as the, the, uh, no, the CAO. Right. but as we speak, I would think. Yeah, it's the 29th too, just quietly. <laughs> no, the 29th's your day. We're having to go to the 28th, and then we'll finish you on the 29th. So that's all right, man. <laughs> Two-day affair. Hey, uh, Al, just quickly before I let you go, Waisaki, uh, what a wonderful horse he's been, and Seamus too. I'd be very interested to know what their targets are and how they're travelling. Yeah, Seamus will run in the Wellington Guineas, Louis, next start. Um I don't, you know, I'm not being disrespectful. He hasn't beaten a lot yet, but he's a very, very progressive horse. Got a great attitude, big, strong animal. 1,400 at Wellington, I hold no fear for him. I will pay a late on to the Bayer. Um, whether I can get to a mile and a half with a with a horse by Shang, Sham Express out of a parent canto mare, I'd, I'd probably have to get changed in the telephone box. I'd have to be Superman. <laughs> so I'm a little bit cautious there, Louis. Um... But he, he's come through his race super. I'm just hacking him around this week, and he's as bright as a button. But he's a lovely, lovely animal. Waisaki's still tracking well. Um, 
it's about getting him right for the right race. Um, he'll run on the Ashes belong in the Cup next, but then uh, the Trenton Stakes, and that's two weeks out from the Wellington Cup, and I still think I'm right on target with him, uh, contrary to his form. But, Louis, you can't win every race, or else you get to the Cup with 62 kilos, and you can't win anyway. So uh, my syndicate knows how we're tracking, and I'm very happy with him at this stage. Yeah, and they're also telling me that you're making the best sausages in all of Taranaki these days. I'm making the best what? Sausages. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't worry about that, mate. We've got to butcher out watcher. But um, what's in the sausages is the MB, you know, it's all sorts of products going, no sausages. <laughs> I mean, I can't let that go on the radio, my friend. Okay, that's your secret, <laughs> so your secret recipe. Hey, thanks for joining us, Al. <laughs> nah, good as gold, boys. Have a good morning. See you See soon, mate. Bye-bye. I don't know. Oh. I don't know if it's true or not, but allegedly he's got the best sausages going around. So I'm not even going to comment on that. All right. I'm not even going to comment on that. But you know, the the, the one word that um, really sums up Alan Shirk is resilience, mate. You know, he's. It's really hard for him to to sort of change with the ages because what you see is what you get with Alan. He yeah. spoke about that the other day, but that's the beauty of the man. Like the beauty of the man is that you 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 get what you what you see since you've since you've been a kid. Um, well, he's a masterful trainer, striking at under five, Tony, and like he says he can't win every race, so you get too much weight. And there's just a little glimpse into the way his brain works. And the, yeah, he's very very uh, tactful, and, and he is always respectful whenever I've spoken to Alan. And that's what I, you know I judge this stuff on. Kempi, one thing we haven't got stuck into this week yet is. The in our upcoming NRL season and uh, our Warriors, well, Auckland's Warriors or New Zealand's Warriors, depending who you ask. Redcliffe's Warriors. Redcliffe's Warriors. You're a Knights tragic, right? Oh, of course. Mm. You know, I went over there on the rookie scheme back in, what was it, 88. Um, yeah, got, you know, I thought I was going to actually end up living there and it was my trip back from uh, the UK when I got a phone call from Ridgie to come back and coach the Warriors that uh, yeah, my second tragic is the Warriors and a lot of people that, that listen to my comments about the Warriors they get annoyed because they're real diehard Warrior fans and can't really see past their noses in and around um, what some of the issues are with the Warriors but if you know you want to listen to, to, to happy Warriors commentators then I'm not the bloke to listen to um, I'd just like to t- talk about my opinion and where I think some of the problems are and you know, if you if you you follow my comments in and around the Warriors, they're they're based on a on a heap of I guess experience. Um, everyone always goes to my coaching record. Jeez, you know, if I could, I, I don't know how many times I'm going to say it. If I had my time again, I wouldn't have taken that job. I was 34. I knew I wasn't going to get another another shot, another club at the time, and I got offered a first grade job. And the advice I got was to take the role. So I wouldn't, you know, knowing what I know now as a 54 year old. Um, I wouldn't have taken it. I would have t- taken my time and, and plied my trade and just waited for the right time to come up. But um, it is what it is. And, and you know, it's um, it was an experience that, you know, I thank Rugby League for. It gave me, it gave me such, a, such a wonderful experience. It still does um, um, until this day. But, you know, when we're talking Warriors, when we're talking opinion, I don't want to cloud people's, um, I guess, or form their opinion or educate them by giving them rubbish opinions. You know what I mean? So the current, the current state of the Warriors is, my personal belief on the Warriors is, is, is quite a good one. 
Well, we're going to come back to that. Double eight, double three, but oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Kimpy's about to give his say. You can come and join us. Give us a call on the Kenard Tower phone line. You want to know what the Warriors are up to next year, or, or how Kimpy thinks they're going to go? Come have the conversation with us. Kimpy's going to weigh in after this. It'll be honest. It'll be frank. I'm looking forward to it. You're listening to the Summer Breakfast on SCNZ. We are 20 minutes away from eight this morning. Be back with you very shortly. Welcome into SCNZ, quarter to eight this morning. Tony Kemp and myself, Louis Herman Watt. We've got a Black Caps test squad for the series against Bangladesh. The omission, Ajaz Patel, uh, be obviously green surfaces. Horses for courses is the phrase Gary Stead likes to use. Are you surprised? Are you disappointed? We've had lots of messages through this morning. Keep them coming, Ajaz Patel. But right now, Kempi, where we, where we left off just before we popped out for a coffee McCafe break, um, the Warriors, mate. Yeah, but probably thought they were talking Warriors all week, but you know, there's a lot more to it than than just the Warriors and in uh, my sporting um, conversation. Look, I love the Warriors. They they are a close second to the, to Newcastle, and um, watching them over over the years has has really been quite tough, uh, especially with some of the the policy in and around the club and how they've how they've moved that club or, or the lack of movement and moving forward. But, you know, under the new ownership and, and what's happening, um, we have seen them build quite a quite a good roster. I think, especially covering the middle of the park and the addition of Ada, um Fanua Blake and, you know, the, the the bigger guys that can get around the middle of the park and play plenty of minutes. Um, but there's still a problem in the side in I, you know, for the life of me, I can't see why they didn't enter the race for Brandon Smith. But it, it is in that number nine jersey, and if they seriously want to pitch for a, a top four position, and everyone knows with the way that the competition is um, lined up and how it plays out, that if you don't finish in the top four, you're not really a chance. Well, um, it's hard. It's it, nigh on impossible. Well, no one's ever won it outside the top four. You know what I mean? So it's a you know, statistics don't lie. If if you really want to pitch for the competition, look, making the eight, you only have to win fifty percent of your games. So so stats not too bad. It, it, it sounds a lot easier than it is in a competition. That's why I was texting yesterday about the rugby competition. Oh, you know the real tough competition, and these guys, it's going to be too hard for them because they're bashing each other every week. Mate, the rugby guys, it's not as if they're playing twenty six NRL games a week. You know, you don't hear the NRL guys moaning about how tough it is every week. You know, and th- and that's the difference between a and se- origin games in the middle of the year, and exactly, and playing. You know, back in the old days, we we're playing forty-five games a year because you go and play a season up in England on the back of it. So, I think at the moment they've got the nucleus of a really good side, but they, you know, a- again their spine. They've got a young fullback in Reese Walsh. He's obviously got some 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 stuff off the field that he really needs to work on. Uh, I think they knew that when they inherited him. Um, I think bringing SJ back from Cronulla is a really good move, um, but you're going to need cover at 31. You're going to need cover. Everyone knows that. Anyone that's played the game knows that. He's, you know, he showed that last year at Cronulla. He he just could not stay on the football field. And if they don't manage his time right this year and the way that he trains, it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same year for them. You know, Sean Johnson will be in and out, um, given the given the. So do they have the, the half depth? Well, you got Cody Nikarima. I think that he possibly sits on the bench at 14 because yeah, he covers hooker and half. Um, he's great out of half. It's, he's got the speed out of dummy half. He he, he does play well on a, on the back of a tied, um, on the back of a tied defensive line. Um, but it's a bit it's a bit different these days, you know. Like like Joey said, the game the game's gone back in time. It hasn't gone, you know, real robotic. It's starting to go back where guys they need to play on what they what they see in in front of them. Um, 
And have they got the depth? Well, you know, Harris Tavita, I think, is another kid that you you possibly could convert to nine. You know, they're talking, oh, he's a, he's a tough kid. I can't believe that they never. But the, see, this is the mental mental games that you're playing with him. This kid, Harris Tavita, has stepped up for the Warriors when he got put into that position when SJ got injured when he was here last time. Mm. And he stepped up. And he did a really, really good job. And, but he's been doing a really good job for them for the last three years. You know, he's 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 been very, very good. Then yet when his contract comes up, they go, go to the market. You know, it, it plays m- this mental space with these players. It sort of throws everybody off. So... I would have just said to him, mate, you know, look, we really need you in our club. We need to pay you to keep you here and really get him to invest and buy into it. But now the guy's in two minds. He's got one, I think he's got a one-year contract in 2022 and still doesn't know whether or not he's a starting in a starting position. Kempe, yesterday Joey said that there'd be, be five teams fighting out seven and eight and the Warriors perennially are usually in that bunch if they're having a, an all right year. Do you think that's where they are again this year? I agree with them. I agree with them 100. Um, percent Yeah. Normally the question is, do they make the eight? Now I've, I've been calling that one, you know, um, just just on the back of that spine that they they wouldn't make the eight, you know, given that their their hooking stocks weren't that good. Um, I think they're in the I think they're in that five this year to make the eight. I, I definitely do. I think the the side that they've put together um, can make the eight, but. You've got to also remember that you go through a number of players to get you to that eighth position. And as they did, I remember talking on Radio Sport, they said, well, what do you reckon they'll make this year? And I said, look, they'll end up with Jess Tavaga at hooker. They just haven't got the hooking depth. And what happened, they ended up with Jess Tavaga at hooker because, again, statistics tell you that you're going to go through a number of players and you hope like hell that one of them isn't hooker. So you you lose Wade Egan. You've got Channel... Uh, Harris Tavita there. You got Cody Nikarima there. You also got a young kid there called Taniola um, Otakolo, who's a, apparently a really, really good number nine coming through. But he's nineteen. He hasn't played mm. much NRL games. So, um, is the depth there to cover that hooking space? Well, yeah, possibly is, but it's it's still not going to get you in the four. Can I ask you this just before we head off and we'll come back and we can finish this conversation throughout later today and tomorrow as well. Nathan Brown, if you're in his spot, you know that you have to be in the top four to win the competition. You also know that you're still definitely building your roster. This isn't the complete package. I'm sure he'll be the first to admit that, but they've made good steps. What will his goal be for this squad this year? Now, going into Christmas, what will he be thinking as a pass mark for himself with this current roster? Well, I think the eight, I think the pass mark for the club, bringing back Sean Johnson, all right, and um, I guess building that roster and around Hodges and, and Fanua Blake, still lacking Ali Lautiti out there on the left edge, like Kikau, I would have, again, jumped in the market for Kikau come up, you know, geez, I, I think that kid can play. Um, I think if he makes if he doesn't make the eight this year, it's a it's a real bad season for them because they're on the cusp of the eight. Yeah, you know that's that's how I feel. But knowing how the how the rosters work, he gets a couple of injuries at nine, mate. He's struggling. You know, you, you're then looking at Jess Tavaga to cover the cover the holes, mate. And Jess is in a nine. Interesting stuff. The Warriors, for every detractor, there will be someone that will say, no, 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 this, this squad's contending well, that's the, for that's the... that's the beauty about the Warriors <laughs> is that they're, they're, they're die-hard one-eyed fans. And I love that about that, man. The amount, of, the amount of people that come on the back of the conversations, you know, good on them. That's, that's, what, that's what drives the club. But, you know, the, the reality is, if you're looking at the statistics, 
Mate, you're struggling at nine. Kim, let's Kimpy say 0800 Do you see it different? I mean, is the eight a pass mark? Or are you actually one of the Warriors fans that expects higher? You want high standards, and the eight would be meh, but you really want to be continuing for a top six spot. Give us a call, 0800 150 That's the Kenard's High phone line. Yeah, good stuff there, Kempe. Really enjoyed that. Uh, I love when you get worked up on the Warriors, and I know you're passionate, and I know you do actually care about them, and that's why you're passionate. We'll be back soon on the Summer Breakfast, SENZ. I think we got Hugh on the line. How you doing, Huey? Yeah, morning, fellas. How are you? Yes, really good. Did you hear the wind-up we gave you, at least? I didn't. I didn't hear anything, but I'm sure it was world-class. Oh, I just said, once upon a time, you were in these studios for a different iteration of this, and now look at you. So there's, there's hope for us all, mate. Your high-flying <laughs> high basketball exec. Well, I'll tell you what, I told my wife this the other day, if you saw my workload, I'd rather be back in my studio. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's get stuck into it then. It's a big job you've got, the GM leagues in a sport that's going, been going through a growth period for probably a better part of a decade now, actually longer, but now the funding reflects it a little bit. Uh, I'm sure there's always more to be, more to come, but $3.3 million in targeted support over three years must have been an awesome Christmas present for Basketball New Zealand. Oh, it, it certainly wasn't. You know, we were building up to the day. Um, Leonard King, the, the, really the mastermind behind the uh, the application for it, who's the head of high performance at Basketball New Zealand, you know, we're all building up to the day, getting ribbing in the whole time up until the, the day it came through. But really, everyone was nervous. You know, it's it's been a long, long time coming for basketball and, and many other sports, you know. And, and you know, like, like you say, back in the day when I used to be in those studios, I was very outspoken about the funding model in New Zealand sport. And so for this new aspirational fund that they brought in, I think, is a, is a huge step forward in the right direction. And uh, and basketball, one of the one of the, the big sports to really uh, to reap those rewards early. So, 1.1 million for our high performance over the next uh, a year for the next three years is a game changer. I said in those seats, mate. The only way to keep it quiet, Huey, is to uh, to to give you some money, mate. You'll be talking talking highly about high performance sport in New Zealand. But your role, just just have a look at that. Um, what is your role in as far as using parts of that money with the leagues around the country to to funnel your players through that high performance pathway. So my role is running the you know the, the national leagues for for men, women, and and our three x three leagues as well. Um, so and the money itself that's primarily for our high performance, which is you know obviously the tall ferns, the tall blacks, uh, and the uh, the age grade national program. So what it means is having that money to go to that is that other money other money that basketball didn't have been spending on that is now freed up for the rest of basketball as well. There's a trickle down effect from that money going to high performance. And our job in the leagues, apart from, you know, putting on uh, an entertaining package for fans to watch and therefore inspire young kids to play basketball and and support their regional team, be it the Nelson Giants or the Waikato Wizards, um, our job is to provide a decent pathway for players to get to that top level. And that's what we're doing next year in particular with the new Women's League uh, that's going to tip off in, in July 2022. And a lot of that has come from, you know, you've got to remember there's actually two windfalls of funding we've had in the last couple of weeks. We've had that high-performance funding from High Performance Sport New Zealand, and we've had that massive new Sky deal, um, you know, which is worth around $7, 8000000 million over the next five years to the National Basketball League. Uh, unprecedented money for the National Basketball League and from a broadcaster. Um, so two huge windfalls, two huge opportunities to, to take the game to the next level.
So, Hugh, the first thing is you're thrilled, obviously, and this is massive for a sport that's been so deserving and so crying out for this. The next thing is, though, there's a bit of pressure that comes with that sort of cash to put it in the right areas. Is this stuff that you had been preparing for, kind of knowing that one day the tide was going to change, or now is it in the new year you need to sit down and be extremely strategic with the wider team? Um, Yeah, a bit of both. You know, you didn't want to over-prepare for it and not get it. Uh, and have plans in place, but certainly the ideal plans were put down. You know, and I think what we'll see most immediately with this money, Louis, is just being able to pay our high-performance athletes better. You know, be able to pay our tallbacks and tall ferns a little bit more. Be able to to get some of our tall ferns who play over in you know in, in deepest darkest Europe in some of the best leagues to get them home um, without them having to front up the cost. Which you know, as outrageous as it sounds, has been what basketball in New Zealand has been like for decades. You know, these players haven't been paid properly to represent their country. It's why we've seen players choose not to represent their country uh, over playing club basketball around the world. So this hopefully will take a huge step in that direction uh, and just make life a lot more easier and make life a lot more professional for the tall blacks and the tall firms when they're on the road. So they're not slumming it in a hotel when they're trying to play, you know, World Cup qualifiers. Uh, They're actually living the life of professional basketballers, preparing properly for a game, you know, closer to how we see the All Blacks live their lives on tour. And that provides them the best preparation for their games and, and the success comes from that. So that's, I think, the most immediate change we'll see with this money coming in. But but it's about getting it right, though, Huey, isn't it? Like, it's about getting it right across the board, you know. Like, I, I hear what you're saying about, you know, rugby league went through the same thing. You know, um, players in the Kiwis never got paid for years the, the same amount of money that their counterparts, the Australians, got paid. And you, and you hear about that now when Tonga played. Um, only last year being the Australians on a, on a, on a pittance um, compared to what the Australians were getting. But it's about getting it right and not just about paying, I guess, for the competition, um, which is your local competition and your high-performance players, but the aspiration of kids, um, the grassroots f- uh, facility and, and clubs and that volunteer space to make sure that you're, you know, in three years' time when you've said, you know, for, for this amount of money, you're talking $11 million, what we've done is created a groundswell of people um, and, and assisted that, that grassroots uh, position in basketball. Is that, is that a, a way that basketball is talking and, and, and the way forward for your sport? Yeah, it certainly is. So that, 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 that'll come from other money, and I talk about that trickle-down effect because, of course, this 1.1 a year is, is for high performance, uh, but it has cleared up other money to use in the community space. So Basketball New Zealand, along with Sport New Zealand, have unveiled the Strength and Adapt plan. So working with, you know, there's countless new staff in the community space around the country working with uh, all the associations to do just that, Kempe. You know, like, like you say, uh, basketball's huge you know how many times have you heard over the last year our oh, fastest growing sport most played sport in secondary schools and all that you know it is riding a crest of a wave among young boys and girls who want to play the game because they can see superstars on tv a lot more than we could when we were younger you know the old half hour nba action on a sunday morning was um, pretty much all we got whereas now you know you're immersed in it with your ipad and your and your phone and lebron james is here steph curry's there stephen adams is here uh, let alone the breakers uh, the national league we have etc so Kids are there and playing it. It's now time for the infrastructure to catch up, Kempi. So you're right. And, and that's exactly what Barcelona Museum are planning to do with Strength and Adapt. That's already underway, that national program. Now we have high-performance funding to help the top echelon of the sport as well. You know, one of my favorite sayings I always like to say is you have to see it to be it. And so for young girls and boys, 
who really get to see the Tall Blacks and Tall Ferns either on TV, or if they are, it's at 2 o'clock in the morning at the other end of the world, uh, or live in person here in Aotearoa, it's hard to want to be a Tall Black or a Tall Fern because you never get to see the Tall Blacks and the Tall Ferns play. So this will be a huge chance to host more games at home, um, to you know get better broadcast deals around our national teams to and to provide just a little bit more exposure for them as well. So hopefully that we can show those kids that pathway with this kind of high-performance money and then provide it with the community system. Well, hey, something that's going to be a huge pathway for youngsters getting into the sport for the well, the purest form, the 5-on-5 stuff, is the 3x3, which is now under your remit. Um, how much of a growth area do you think this is? And, and some people still can't get their head around it. I'm probably in that bracket. It, it's kind of hard to grasp how big this is becoming, how quick it's becoming, right, Hugh? Yeah, it's it's a little bit like T20, Louis. You know, mm. back in, when they first started T20 and people said, oh, it'll never, it'll never catch or on. Or NFTs. You know, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm never going to play it. But, you know, it's not for everyone. And we're certainly seeing a tick up in the younger generation, like infinitely more than we have with the older, crustier basketball traditionalists. Um, I remember heading down to Invercargill for the first NBL 3x3, uh, the Sheck Cup, and um, this was in 2019, and we were flying down, and I was flying down with Casey Frank, um, and he's like, oh, this is, you know, this is crap, I do extreme, you know, <laughs> rumbling the whole way, and um, 100 times tall black, and then we get down there, commentate for three days, and on the way back, he's like, that was awesome. You know, you really have to see it to get into it, and uh, it's so fast, it's so physical, you know, there is a, a deliberate push from the referees to allow more physicality in it, um, and it's a great little, you know, gateway drug for basketball, for, for kids. It's so easy to play three X three, you know, and schools are doing it now. There's a secondary school three X three tournament national nationally each year. It is huge uh in Europe, the whole tour that goes around Europe and they play in stunning places. They play in town squares in Italy, they play, you know, overlooking the Mediterranean. Like you can put it on a court anywhere. You know, it's less it's smaller than a half court, so uh, and they really, they really um, ramp it up as well. So having our teams go to the Commonwealth Games this year and play it will be massive. Obviously, we missed out on the Olympics last year, um, but the game itself started getting a lot more traction once you know once it was on the Olympics and everyone was seeing it. Uh, so having the tall blacks and the three x three tall blacks and the three x three tall ferns head to the Com Games in 2022, I think is going to be uh, a real big, um, you know, propeller for the sport. Hey Hugh, so have you engaged a good mate of mine, Bill Urali? Um, King Capisi in that three three v three in that program he runs to elevate for the community. Have you engaged him in, in that um, that philosophy that you've just explained? Caps Caps and I would talk uh, at least two or three times a month. Um, what a great guy he is! What a fantastic supporter he is for the game. He uh, is currently slated to be the MC at the NBL three x three in February, which has been postponed. Was was supposed to be How October, that? postponed to February. Um, yeah, oh, King Capisi is. Such an awesome supporter. You know, I was really nervous the first time I met him. I was like, oh, what's King's Pizza? I'm not cool enough to meet King's Pizza. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> but when he was emceeing our women's league last year, or two years ago. Uh, but, wow, well, man, what a welcoming, generous, you know, really warm, lovely guy he is. Huge supporter of basketball. Um, he's got his own little online show that he's been running on Instagram for the last couple of years, which is, which is awesome around basketball. So he'll, he'll launch that up during the NBL as well. Um, so, yeah, we're certainly using caps as much as we can going forward, and especially in the 3x3 space, uh, Kempi. That's awesome.
Huey, it's a very exciting time for yourself and basketball New Zealand, for the sport really. But yeah, on a personal level, mate, congratulations on this new role. Like, kind of was being a bit facetious when I said you used to be in here, but you literally did. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've this 2021 for you, for a lot of people, it's probably been insane and crazy for a lot of reasons. But personally, you've obviously kicked some goals and ticked off some goals. So you've, you're feeling pretty accomplished? I, yeah, I appreciate those kind words, mate. It's been a, a good year. You know, my wife and I made a big move. We shifted out of Auckland at the start of 21. And we still haven't Nelson. found another Ruckman. So. <laughs> yeah, with our two kids and left. More importantly, don't worry about friends and family. Left the University Blues Australian rugby, Australian football team behind. Um, and I'm still yet to find a new team down here. But uh, no, it's uh, it's been a busy year and a good year. And, and you know, we're looking forward to hopefully return to some normality so we can go and watch a bit of sport. I'm not sure how soon that's going to be, um, given all the variants that are going on now. But um, we'll plan as if uh, we'll plan for everything and see how we go. Eh? Yeah, awesome, man. Lovely to speak to you, and good luck for your uh, 2022 with this new role and spend this money wisely, eh? Thanks, fellas. One of the absolute features and the pinnacles of summer sport in New Zealand, winter sport in the UK, and it would be in the UK because it's pub time, you know, winter, you're in the pub, it's cold, and you're playing darts. Well, the Alley Pally absolutely heaves at this time of year. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this chat with Tom Bloomfield. He's our he's our guru out of the UK who follows the betting trends and understands what's going on in the World Dart, World Dart Championships better than anyone we could find. Tom is on the line with us now. Good evening to you, mate. Thanks for taking the call. Evening, guys from London. How are you? Yeah, loving it down here. It's breakfast time and there's nothing better than to have a cup of coffee and watch the darts on the telly. Where are we at in this tournament, mate? And actually, can you just give us the, um, in layman's, the enormity and the gravity of this event each year? Sure, no problem. Um, as it's the evening, I'm having a little bit more stronger uh, drink while I'm watching this at the moment. But uh, <laughs> we're in the uh, second round at the moment. Um, as we speak, we've got a game going on, actually, between uh, a Russian bloke and, uh, and a Dutchman. So it gives you a flavour of how international this tournament is. Um, to put it uh, bluntly, it's the biggest darts tournament of the year, as it always has been and always will be. You've got 94 of the world's best players all coming together uh, across 18 days at Alexander Palace uh, in North London. And it's just basically the Christmas pinnacle for most darts, well, every dart fan and most sports fans in the UK. Um, it's a huge party every time with two and a half thousand tickets going on sale for each session uh, across the summer and they get snapped up in about 15, 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, it's uh, a knockout format tournament. So you either win or you go home. And uh, yeah, we're in the second round. Things are progressing nicely and uh, we've got some great matches to look forward to. Hey mate, hey mate, how you going? Just to, for for us Kiwis all the way down here under the bottom of the, the planet here, big, big, the big rig, Ben Rob. How's he? Um, how's he looking for future darts uh, as a future darts player? Yeah, unfortunately, he uh, he lost his first round match, so unfortunately, he's out of the tournament this year. But what I would say is that he performed a lot better than his first appearance at the Ali Pali stage. That was a couple of years ago, and uh, and he lost his uh, first game three 0 Oh, this time he put in a much better performance. Unfortunately, he lost three one, but. Uh, yeah, he was a lot more solid. I mean, in terms of uh, under the equator, Australia and New Zealand darts is going through a real good phase right now, and there are a lot of good players coming through. And uh, I would expect to see uh, Big Rig back on that stage this time next year. And uh, who knows, if he gets a favourable draw, he could see his first win. And then from there, who knows? 
Well, it's a great name, isn't it, Tom? And he is actually a big rig. He's got a great frame on him. Looks like a blindside <laughs> flanker. Um, the, we love darts down here because the, the the world or the PDC they do a fantastic job of bringing darts around the world, don't they? They they take it, and we've had plenty of uh, action down here in New Zealand and in Australia. It truly is a global sport, as you pointed out. One thing I'm curious about yeah. is that the Alley Pally looks awfully stuffy. How's it going with the COVID situation in the UK at the moment? Because the Premier League's in disarray and players are being scratched left, right and centre. Any implications for this tournament? Well, uh, last year we uh, we unfortunately had every single session apart from one behind closed doors. Um, the announcement came uh, just after the first session of last year was, was uh, finished. Uh, as it stands, um, there hasn't been any announcement yet as to COVID restrictions hitting the darts. However, um, the Prime Minister has said that after Boxing Day on um, 26th of December, there may be some more announcements regarding sporting events, especially indoor sporting events. So we could see either no fans come to any of the events or maybe a reduced capacity. Um, I would say, however, last week I actually went to the event myself. Everything was uh, very heavily restricted in terms of um, COVID protocols. And so far it hasn't been designated as a as an event in uh, in crisis. But obviously we'll just wait and see. But Hopefully, uh, we'll continue to have fans at Ali Pali because uh, darts is very much a sport that gets the crowd involved. And uh, if you just watch some of the action, you'll be able to see that. This might shock you, Tom, but both Kempi and me absolutely love a buck. We love a buck. And for people <laughs> people like us, or well, like Kempi sees, mate, he's, you don't want to know what his salary here at ECNZ is. But for, for people <laughs> like myself, one of the ways I resort to is trying to find a winner via whether it's racing, sports. I understand you've got your absolute genius brain dialed into this sort of stuff. How can we make a buck <laughs> off the, the darts tournament? What are we, who are we punting? Who are we backing well, here? Well, no pressure then, is it? I've got me all the way from the other side of the world, and now I've got to give you some winners. Uh, let me just consult my little black book. Uh, what I would say is I've got two players I'm keeping my eye on this year, and uh, they're not the two most uh, famous and, and betting favourites, so maybe a little bit of value here. Um, the top of the market at the moment is dominated by two players, Gerwin Price, the world number one, and uh, he's through to the third round safely, and Michael Van Gerwen, probably the most famous darts player at the moment in the PDC, the three-time world champion, and uh, also is through to the third round. But the two players I've got my eye on is the world number two, Peter Wright, uh, also known as Snakebite. Mm. And uh, if you don't know who he is, have a Google of him uh, if you're listening, because he has some, uh, well, fantastic mohawks. If I had hair, uh, well, as much hair as that, maybe I'd try and do some, <laughs> but uh, I'll leave for him to do that. He's also a local lad from my home county, so uh, I hope for him to do well. And then the second one, a little bit more of a, of a bigger price at the moment, but uh, James Wade, the machine, he's the world number four. He's still a very big price in the betting at the moment, but uh, he's in a bracket, uh, his side of the bracket's quite open, to be honest, with a few seeds being knocked out, and uh, he's got plenty of experience. It's his 18th world championship in a row, so this is a guy who knows wow. what he's doing. And uh, he's through as well to the third round, and uh, yeah, if, uh, if the bracket continues to open up for him, he might be able to sneak into the final. Love so those it. are my two that I'd be going for. Love it, mate. Love something at odds. Peter Wright in New Zealand with the bookies to win it all was eight bucks. James Wade twenty six dollars. So, um, Gerwin Price, you're right, is hitting the market four dollars thirty three. Great to have you on the show this morning, Tom. You're really plugged in, so we might have to catch up again next week. No worries, guys. Take it easy. We've got Trudy's World up after this quick edition. Smash and grab. Trudy, not far away. It's Trudy's World. It's Trudy's World. It's Trudy's World. It's Trudy's World. 
Morning, guys. Yes, it's Trudy's World. And today, well, it's our Blimmin' Mad Hero of the Week segment, and it is going to our Louie, working punishing brekkie hours, never has a day off, just a couple of days before Christmas, moves house. Louie, you're a Blimmin' legend, mate, so I thought I'd give you some interesting moving facts. No. Did you know that we uh, move, on average, 11 times in our lifetime? Typical household move contains about 15 tonnes of movable items, so you'll be sore today. Um, moving is the third most stressful event in your life. <laughs> What's renters, the other two? What's the other two? Um, renters move more than owners. I don't know. Oh, weddings, weddings, yeah. and maybe the oh, I can't yeah, say the, that. The, yeah the D word. Yeah. Uh, renters move more than owners, <laughs> so it's time you and Shan bought a house. And half oh, yeah. of all moves happen Simple. between May and September, not limit December the twenty third. Trudy, I um <laughs> I can promise you I won't be moving eleven times in my life. I I I can promise you that that's not going to happen. I hate it. It is the wor- absolute worst. I've woken up this morning. I felt like I've had to run it straight at Tony Kemp and his heyday. I'm so <laughs> sore. I'm so stressed out. The only good thing about moving is at the end of the day when you finish your shift, and you crack your first cold hazy, and then you get your Uber Eats up and you deliver yourself some... <laughs> what do we have? For? Well, wishing you and Shan the best in your new digs, man. <laughs> oh, thanks, Trudy. We have to get you around for a vino, maybe a rosé. <laughs> There we go. Trudy Nelson, she's not far away with the news for Kubota. Together we'll be shaping and building New Zealand. Here's a text. No Patel is a joke. He's seven wickets away from 50 wickets, and if he did it in his next match, he will tie Jameson for the fastest to 50. No other team in the world would leave out a player like Ajaz. Just look at his stats. They are world-class. Scott. I tend to agree, Scotty. Appreciate your passion on double eight double three oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. The Kenatai phone line. Ajaz Patel out of the test squad to play Bangladesh. You're shocked. You're disappointed. Does it make sense? Get in touch with us right now. It's the news with Trudy. I'm off to find myself a McCafe coffee.